0: Now, the Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show is brought to you in part by Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Services Modern Mortgage Group and Lori Zorn, Insurance Manager for Island Savings. If you need an opinion from experts in the areas of insurance or mortgages, Denise and Lori are great people to chat with. To find their contact information, just visit the CFAX 1070 website. Look under Shows to find us, The Whole Home Show, with me, Tony Joe. There you'll find their contact information, or you can always connect with me online or on social media. Also, if you're looking for an expert realtor to help purchase or sell a property, you can always call me. I am a 26-year local veteran and a top agent with REMAX Camosin, Victoria's most productive real estate brokerage. Today on our show, we'll be having a conversation on the state of real estate in British Columbia, specifically Vancouver and surrounding areas. We'll have a conversation on fixing the housing crisis elected officials' efforts to stop runaway prices, and whether the effects have been positive or negative. This this week, our guest is Vancouver realtor, who is frequently quoted in media, Keith Roy. Let's start our show with our weekly listener question. If you have a question or curiosity about real estate, call us on our hotline, which is 250-414-6540 or find us online at www.cfax1070.com, and we'll discuss it on air. We actually have two emails today. Uh, If we manage to get through the first one quickly enough, we'll get to the second. Uh, The first one was from a Lawrence. Lawrence is asking the question, I signed a listing agreement, but I'm having second thoughts about selling. Can I cancel, and will it cost me anything? Uh, Lawrence, the listing agreement is a legal document. It's a document between you, the property owner, and the brokerage who is listing the property for sale. It's a promise from the brokerage side to provide a specific level of service, which you would find on what is known as a Schedule A, outlining all of the things that the agent and the brokerage uh, are set to do. This is the reason why you hired them. Uh, It is also a legal contract in the manner that it does uh, set out your obligations as well. And that means that you've committed to this listing brokerage and the agent uh, and that you will work with them throughout the term that is uh, outlined in the agreement. Now, uh, I understand where you're coming from because sometimes people do have second thoughts. I don't know what your circumstances are. Maybe the house you were hoping to buy is no longer available. Uh, Maybe there's something uh, personal within your life that has caused you to change your mind. And sometimes these things happen. It has happened to me on occasion with clients, and uh, I can only speak for myself. But when it has happened in past, uh, of course, uh, a conversation ensues. Uh, we, we like to make sure that we're completely transparent both ways uh, between our client relationships uh, and ourselves. And uh, you know, for for me, if a client has decided they no longer want to sell. I don't feel like holding them to a contract and making them continue to do so. Uh, I personally would probably uh, just say, yes, let's go our separate ways. There is a a release form that can be signed uh, that will um, uh, basically release both parties from any further obligation. Uh, will it cost you anything was a question that you asked. And this also too sort of depends on where the agent is at in the process. Uh, you didn't mention here, um, uh, if you had been on market at all, or if the agent has done things like open houses or promoted the property or being online or paid for advertisements or floor plans, photos, virtual tours, all of those things that can have an impact because Again, just going back uh, to myself, when we've had cases where a seller has decided to change their mind and we've gone through the process of having photos, floor, you know, have our professional photographer go through and do the media package and all of those things, uh, sellers have offered uh, to pay for the cost of the media uh, on the understanding that, of course, those are out-of-pocket costs that uh, we, the agent, have incurred. Uh, Now, the thing that I often say is, uh, first of all, thank you for the offer. But secondarily, of course, if the seller does decide down the road that they do want to sell, whether it's a month or a year or even five years down the road, that we, of course, would be happy to serve them again, and that we would reimburse that cost, you know, depending on on what it is. So I guess the bottom line here, Lawrence, is it depends on where you're at with your agent, depends on the relationship you have with your agent. The other part that we haven't touched on here, uh, you know, you're saying you're having second thoughts about selling. Sometimes sellers have second thoughts about their agent. Maybe they're just not feeling... The, the joy of working with this particular person as their selected real estate agent. Um, the same is true. You'll want to have a conversation with that person. Uh, I would suggest that you might want to be very straightforward and honest and say, if this was the case, I'm not happy with what's going on. Uh, here are some examples of things that did not go the way I was hoping to see. And uh, perhaps let the agent solve the situation or make corrections. And if they can't, uh, again, I I would suggest that you both would probably want to go your separate ways. Because as I I reflect on it again, if I was that agent uh, who had a unhappy client, I I don't think I'd want to force them to continue working with me because things could only get worse from that point forward. So Lawrence, the answer is um, you can cancel an agreement, but it does require the approval of the other side, who is the brokerage and the agent. And hopefully that works out for you. The second question that I had was an email from Cassandra. She asked the question, can I sell my home myself? What are the drawbacks? Cassandra, yes, of course you can. It is not a rule or a law that you have to use a real estate agent to sell your home. In fact, there are many people out there who are very good at selling their own homes. I I have bumped into people over the years who have sold two or three or four uh, houses on their own without representation. Uh, Now, I have to say, it is a very specific person who is able to do that because there's a lot of things that need to be done in the transfer of a home. I I have to say, we did some research some time ago and lawyers basically tell us that somewhere around maybe 4% of the time, their transactions occur without the presence of a real estate agent. So that means that there are instances where there isn't a realtor involved either on the list side or the sell side. Now, uh, a little caveat here, I have to say we don't know of that 4%. How many are personal sales? You know, sometimes you have parents that sell to their kids or neighbors that sell to each other. Uh, But I have to say, uh, you know, within that 4% there will be people who sell privately. You know, we see buy owner sales happen on a regular basis. Now, is by owner a threat to the real estate industry? Well, I just mentioned to you, 96% of the time or so, realtors are involved. Now, the reason why people will want to sell themselves, of course, is to save the fees. Because let's face it, the cost of selling is expensive. Real estate fees are not inexpensive I get that I know I've been doing this for for long enough Uh, now what we as real estate professionals have to do is to be able to demonstrate the value to our sellers the reason why we're here the reason why we're here is that we market the property we get a much wider audience to the home we help with negotiation there's a lot of nuances around negotiation that people just won't understand if they're not doing this three or four or five times in a year most people sell every five or seven years. So it's a very different thing. So, Cassandra, you may definitely sell on your own. Your drawbacks are uh, representation because, of course, lawyers don't represent themselves. So this is something you'll want to look at. Thanks for both of your emails. Uh, and to all the listeners, if you have a read estate question you'd like answered on our show, please visit the cfax1070.com website or, as always, call our hotline, which is 250-414-6540. I am just going to take a quick little break here, but when we come back, we're going to have a conversation with Keith Roy about the state of real estate in British Columbia. Back in just a moment. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. My guest today is Vancouver realtor Keith Roy, and I'd like to read Keith's bio for you because most of you probably, most of you here in Victoria probably don't know who Keith Roy is. CFAX listeners may have heard him before. He's being interviewed by uh, our own Joe Perkins here at the station Uh Keith has also been on the media many times, whether it's the Business News Network or uh, the Globe and Mail, Vancouver Sun, CTV News. He seems to be the person that the media goes to in Greater Vancouver for sound bites on what's happening in real estate. Keith has been selling real estate in Vancouver for over for 12 years now. He's born and raised around B.C., graduated from high school at Vancouver College. He holds a B.A. in political science from the University of Guelph and a postgraduate diploma in sales and marketing from the Sauter School of Business at UBC. Uh, To further facilitate the discussion of Vancouver housing, Keith started uh, earlier this year the Vancouver Unreal Estate Show, which is a podcast featuring interviews of real estate thought leaders and policymakers on housing issues facing our city. And I have to tell the listeners here, if you are a podcast listener, which I know that many of you are, you're going to want to subscribe because I'm a weekly listener. It is a great show for all things real estate. Again, it's the Vancouver Unreal Estate Show. Uh, As a member of the Professional Conduct Committee at the Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver from 2014 to 2016, Keith helped oversee and enforce realtors' business practices and behaviors and adherence to the Canadian Real Estate Association Realtor Code of Ethics. He is a member of the Real Estate Board of Vancouver's Master Medallion Club, That means he's in the top 10% of Greater Vancouver Realtors, and he has been for over nine years. He's also received multiple industry awards and the Queen's Golden Jubilee Medal in 2002 and the Queen's Diamond Jubilee Medal in 2012, both for community service. Uh, Keith, thanks for joining us today.
1: I'm I'm really excited to hear that guy speak. That sounded pretty good, Tony. (laughs) Well,
0: I'm not working you up. This is all the truth. And, you know, aside from that, you're a busy agent. Uh, Both you and I are, we typically rank within the top 100 in the uh, REMAX uh, uh, stats in Canada. So it means you're busy. It means you know what you're talking about.
1: I like to think I know a thing or two about a thing or two.
0: (laughs) Great. Well, hey, listen, talking about your podcast really quickly here, I want to run through some of the guests that you've had because you've been running this for a year now, right? Um, Yeah, we
1: started kind of just, I think we started in February. We've done 43 episodes Um, this year. We're going to move to a bi weekly format next year and just make sure that we, we keep going uh, deep with our guests and have you know really compelling conversations about uh, about the real estate file.
0: Well, I mean, here's an example of some of your guests. You've had the past Vancouver mayor and uh, current MLA of False uh, Creek, Sam Sullivan. You've had the CEO of the Greater Vancouver Home Builders Association, chief housing officer for the city of Vancouver. You've had uh, Tom Davidoff from the Sauter School of Business. Uh, the NDP housing credit, David Eby. Uh, you've had a couple yeah,
1: now, of now the attorney general
0: now the attorney correct now the Ch- attorney general. Uh, you you've had um, by election candidates during the Vancouver by election. Uh, you've had your grandma on before.
1: Yeah, that was that was a highlight. My my grandma
0: <laughs> yes.
1: uh, turned ninety this year, and she'd never really owned real estate, and she she rented her whole life and still rents. And um, and it was an interesting perspective when we talk. Uh, we talk so much about the the need for ownership so we had we had fun with her
0: well there's been a lot of perspectives on your show and and this is the thing because you also have had guests on your show who i think you've carefully selected to be a counterpoint to some of the things that perhaps you, you yourself uh believe in so for instance uh you have from sfu uh a little while ago josh gordon who was talking about um uh curbing demand instead of supply i want to get to that a little later right
1: yeah, we've had a couple um, – the big issue in, in real estate in Vancouver, and I know it's filtering over to Victoria, is, is supply and demand, right? And a lot of the conversations with the municipal government are around curbing demand, and a lot of the, the building association is saying we just need to increase supply. Mm-hmm. So we've we've sought out some demand-siders uh, on the podcast to, to bring a counterpoint to what what I think is the logical solution, which is supply – um, but there are, there are some demand siders out there and we wanted to bring them on and have conversations with them.
0: Yeah. Uh, we're going to get to that in, in just a moment. Um, finishing off on our little list here, uh, you have a frequent guest who is a former tax lawyer who I find very entertaining. That's Chris Thompson, right?
1: Yeah. He's actually a lawyer at the BC securities commission. Now he's a former tax lawyer and Chris and I were very good friends. Uh, he just has some different points to me and we sometimes just like to pick the issues apart.
0: And I, I have to say, I, it, I get entertained because many of the things he says, uh, have, uh, which I don't necessarily agree with, but have a lot of uh, sense and sensibility. And it's, it's, again, always good to know the counterpoint, right?
1: Yeah, it's very frustrating arguing against someone with whom you respect and largely agree, but vehemently disagree on the philosophy <laughs> underpinning their assumptions.
0: Yeah, and you both hold your ground, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, those, are, those are always good episodes let's see, guest number 23 was a guy named Tony Joe here in Victoria
1: yeah, uh, mid-range performer okay. <laughs> realtor, <laughs> thank, decent, yeah. decent guy can string a sentence together
0: <laughs> thank you very much, that, actually that seemed like a long time ago now but that was uh, that was episode 23, and, and finally I going to bring up, um, kind of recently you had uh, UBC prof David Lay which I thought was a very interesting mm-hmm. interview yeah
1: yeah. David Lay is um, a geography professor at the University of British Columbia. He uh, recently uh, retired, but um, as part of the retirement package at UBC, you usually do the last year as a sabbatical. So he's taken a sabbatical and he's looked at some key markets. Um, I believe Australia, Singapore, um, London, uh, one other, maybe Toronto. Um, and he's traveled to a couple different cities and and kind of picked apart their housing issues, and he's very much a demand sider. That we need to curb demand. Uh, we need to stop the influx of uh, largely mainland Chinese money. Um, and he doesn't think density will solve the problem.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, wh- I,
1: ironically, we did we did that interview in his West Side house, yes. um, where he has his kids living in his basement suite. Uh, but he 's on a you know a reasonable sized lot and a nice house in an urban center,
0: which he's owned yeah. for a long time, right?
1: which he's owned for he 's lived there forever. Yes. Um, yeah, he came to town as a prof, bought a house close to campus and has lived there forever, and like many of us, just won the real estate lottery along the way.
0: Yeah, accidental millionaire Yeah yeah, now one of the things that you guys were talking about on your podcast was in his retirement, it was said that he 's been fighting housing and affordability in Vancouver for forty years. Or something like that, yeah, right he,
1: yeah, and he's been um he's kind of been at the forefront of this issue. He wrote a book, um, the title of which is Casey, I think it was millionaire migrants um, about uh, and there was a real estate section about this issue um, or uh, yeah, about the issue of the migrants and how and their impact on real estate was a small section in his book yes um, and and david's david's always been a demand sider he's always advocated. Um, locals first housing policy. But remember, he's a geographer. He's not an economist. Um, he's not looking to grow the economy. He's not looking to increase the size of the city. He's, you know, the, I guess the values underlying a lot of his writing seem to be keep Vancouver the way it is. Yes. Without well, without that progress and that change that, that might occur.
0: I got that sense as well. But uh, again, going going back to the comment about the fact that uh, he has been uh, working on toward affordability in Vancouver for 40 years. You made the comment, well, if you've been working at it for 40 years, could this maybe mean that this is just the way things are?
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, Vancouver's never been an affordable city. Um, I've got pictures in an old Vancouver archive book that shows people lined up in, in, their, in their Sunday finest at the Hotel Vancouver in the 20s mm-hmm. uh, to buy lots on the west side of Vancouver. We've literally been lining up to buy Real Estate in Vancouver for a 100 years, a full century. And somehow, uh, you know, this generation, like all previous generations, Uh, previous generations, thinks it's too hard to own real estate, thinks it's never been harder, thinks it's never been more difficult.
0: But it always has been.
1: It's always been hard. I mean, that's why the suburbs were invented. It's always been hard. That's why condos were invented. It's it's always been hard. My mom grew up in a rented house in the West End for a period of her childhood. Mm -hmm. I could never hope to live in the West End now. And that's not my birthright because my mom lived there. It's just the reality of what's happened to the city.
0: Yeah. Hey, listen, Keith, uh, hold, hold that thought because we need to take a quick little break here. We're going to pick up with you again. We're having a conversation with Keith Roy, realtor and a political science nerd, right, in Vancouver. We're going we're to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. Thanks for joining us again. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show is brought to you in part by Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Services, Modern Mortgage Group, and Lori Zorn, insurance manager. For Island Savings. We're having a conversation today with Vancouver realtor Keith Roy. Keith is an agent who is commonly quoted in the media of all sorts uh, around British Columbia talking about the issues that we face not only as real estate agents but as community members in the lower mainland. Keith again thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. Um, let's talk, let's start with the foreign buyer tax. You were in the midst of all this, it came in August, 2016. Uh, now here we are, you know, basically a year and a half afterwards. What did the tax do to Vancouver's real estate market?
1: Um, in the year and a half, absolutely nothing. Uh, what did happen is that sales plummeted in August, uh, continued low September through November, picked back up in December. And then shot out of the gate, like the response to an elastic band being pulled back uh, in January, which has resulted in the massive price increases we saw through 2017. Um, Overall, the tax has had functionally no effect. The ownership, foreign ownership, we think was about 5% in advance of the tax. Um, it seems to be that foreign buyers represent about four percent of the purchasers now.
0: Oh, and this is and uh, that's based out. on that's based on a report that CMHC sent out a little while, just shortly or, or, or a short while. Well, yeah, ago.
1: Yeah, that's that's a new stat we have from CMHC. Remember, we weren't tracking this before this tax was introduced. We tracked it for about two months, and then we're like, "Oh, this this seems like a problem. Let's do this." Yeah, and it looks like that you know the stat said that it was like twelve percent were foreign buyers, but that's because after they announced the tax all these foreign buyers closed before the tax came in they rushed in if you kind of moderate it out yeah. it's about 5% and cmhc came out with some stats uh, in early december and those stats indicated that you know um, non-resident owners in the gvrd were 4.8% um, there there, was, there were 7.9% of condos and 3.2% of houses but it balanced out to 48 or let's just call it 5% of all property in the GBRD was foreign owned. And not all of that is Chinese money, right? Some of that is American. Some of that is British people. Uh, Some of that is people who own multiple homes around the world. Um, Tony Robbins, uh, motivational speaker, he owns a home in Langley. Yes. Um, I don't think he's the bad type of foreigner (laughs) that we think of.
0: Yes. Well, yeah, so basically in the epicenter of this whole foreign buyer uh, debate, it has come out by cmhc that the percentage is as you said 4.8%. It's not the people think it's 20% or 30% or something like that. So to to add in a tax to control 4.8% of the purchases was that sensible?
1: Um it it, it was politically um it made you know well, obviously it wasn't
0: as effective as day.
1: wanted. She's no longer in the legislature but um it was it was probably a smart political move it it seems to have had no effect i've often said you know if if you believe that this is the issue that foreigners are the issue you you can't control the demand of foreigners through taxes you're going to have to have the federal government control the inflow of capital mm-hmm. but the idea that someone can't earn international capital is going to make it really hard for a lot of people to make a living there's lots of people who live in vancouver uh, who own widget factories in China, and they, they're residents. So they're they might even be citizens, but they own businesses abroad and they earn their their income internationally. And we're just in a world where capital flows a little different than it used to, and I don't think you can control well, that be, capital, which is the problem.
0: And it's because the world is a much smaller place nowadays. The world is much smaller place yeah. nowadays, so you can you can do commerce across the globe, right?
1: Multiple daily flights to Shanghai, Beijing. Mm-hmm. Um, Singapore, Japan, right? Like, it's not hard to do business around the world anymore.
0: Yeah. And something that, that you often say in your show is, we don't produce anything here.
1: We we make nothing of value in Vancouver. And when you, you say that to people, they kind of look at you funny. But, you know, we make beautiful scenery.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, we have great air,
1: wonderful tourism. Yeah. But we don't have we don't have any major, you know, some some a little bit of mining, a little bit of forestry. Uh, We talk about pipelines, but we can't seem to get them built. We don't produce anything of value in Vancouver. And and somehow we have all this money that's flowing. Well, that's coming from other places in the world. Mm -hmm. And if we want to keep that quality of life and the roads and the beautiful buildings and the beautiful infrastructure, if we want to keep building bike lanes, we want to do all that. We need to find some money from somewhere else.
0: Yeah, And, and we're talking about here not foreign um, nationals who are bringing uh, foreign capital in. We're talking Vancouverites who happen to do business overseas and make their living overseas, right?
1: There's a lot of people who, you know, this, this influx started at, you know, Expo 86. Um, there's a lot of people who have been here since the late 80s, early 90s who um, have business interests in mainland China and India. And again, they earn their living in the world, and they live in Vancouver because it's an unbelievable um, unbelievable place to live. The quality of life is so high, and, and you know that living in Victoria as well.
0: Yeah, and this is the thing, because people have the choice of going anywhere. I, you know, my, <laughs> my regular go-to on our show here is you could choose to live in Winnipeg, or you can choose to live in Victoria. I mean, what would be the choice, right?
1: It's, it's not a hard choice, and the only the only thing that would make that choice difficult for you is your economic situation.
0: Yeah, exactly, which is interesting because, you see, there is uh, there are groups out there that feel that, for instance, in Victoria, economically there should be adjustments made to uh, reduce the value of properties here in Victoria. Of course, all the property owners who own properties won't like to hear that because it will affect their equity, right? But on the other hand... And- you know, people who want to buy or own in Victoria are hoping that the government can intervene and uh, find a way to reduce values. But if houses in Victoria were the same price as in Regina, all of a sudden what we're going to have is we're going to have the Reginaite saying, Hey, I think I'm tired of the snow. I want to come to Victoria and we'll have that rush, right? That would be that would be our new foreign buyer.
1: Yeah, everybody believes in affordable housing until it comes time to sell their own house.
0: Isn't that true? (laughs) That's very, very true. Um, So, again, just wrapping up the the topic of foreign buyer tax, it's done nothing. Prices are as high now as they ever have been in Vancouver, right?
1: Well, you know, non-residents own 8% of condos, and condo prices have never been higher than they were yesterday. Now, tomorrow might be a little different, but as of yesterday, they were the highest they've ever been.
0: Okay. Well, hey, be ready, because at the end of our show today, I'm going to ask you what the solution is. So, so you know, I won't ask you right now, but just be ready, all right? Um, ready to talk. Okay. Vacancy tax. Now, Vancouver has uh, this vacancy tax. Tell us about it.
1: First of all, I want to point out that this tax is applicable just to the city of Vancouver, not Burnaby, Richmond, the suburbs. This is This is Vancouver going alone on a lot of these issues, which is why they're... They're really not going to work. Um, they only affect a very small portion of the population. Uh, but the theory in Vancouver is that housing should be for homes, not as an investment. And so, if you have your house vacant for more than six months of the year, you will pay a one percent uh, tax. Now, that's not one percent of your tax; That's one percent of the assessed value of your home. So you got
0: a million dollar home, it's ten thousand bucks.
1: You got a ten thousand dollar tax. Okay. Um, if your home is vacant, otherwise you have to rent it for at least six months of the year or live in it for at least six months of the year. But at the same time, they brought in the short-term rental restriction, and so you've kind of got this thing where people are being forced down the down the down the they're, tunnel, they're, and they, no. they're going to have to rent their home. Um, it's it's mostly just lipstick. Um, it's not going to have a huge impact at the end of the day on a lot of things going on in Vancouver. Uh, the people who, you know, the high, high end, you know, three, four million dollar condos who use it a couple of weeks a year. They're not going to care. Um, they don't, they just don't care. It's the cost of doing business. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what we know from the CMHC data is that most of this foreign ownership stuff is in the higher end. It's not in the, the low end, $300,000 condos. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not going to affect the population that the government would like it to affect. But it, you know it'll just generate some more money to pay for pet projects at city hall, um, mm-hmm. but no real impact I, that I can see coming as a result of this, other than just a pile of confusion. Um, I did my property taxes um, at the end of at the end of the year, and in, in you get extra you got extra
0: fields in there it, now, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. It's just it just you're like it kind of takes you through this choose your own adventure. Do you live in your home? Yes. <laughs> Do you rent part of your home? No.
0: Are you, you over sixty five? no
1: like. Yeah. Yay, no tax for you. Um, <laughs> oh, thank God. I don't have to pay extra, extra tax.
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> well, hey, Keith. Uh, we're,
1: no, no, no impact.
0: Oh, all right. All right. Um, listen, it's time for another break here. Uh, Keith, if people need to reach you, what's the best way to do that?
1: Uh, website, yep. KeithRoy.com. You mm-hmm. Keith can always phone us at 604-210-2933. And you know what? My name's Keith Roy. Put me in Google. If you can't find me, I've done something wrong.
0: Very good. Well, listen, we're going to take a break. Back in just a moment. Thanks for joining us again. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're having a conversation with Vancouver realtor and uh, political science uh, expert, Keith Roy. Keith, thanks again for joining us.
1: Happy to be here.
0: Yeah, I say expert because, you know what, everybody has an opinion about politics. And I do find with you, especially with listening to your podcast, that you... You do seem to be on the quest to look at both sides of the conversation, just to enrich your own knowledge, right?
1: Well, everyone has an opinion Columbia, on politics, real estate, and the weather. And I figured if I could learn all three of those, I could have a conversation with anybody, anywhere. Yes. And uh, I, made, I made a point to go in deep on all three
0: of those. My goodness. Well, listen, so far we've talked about the foreign buyer tax. We've had a conversation on vacancy tax, ended up uh, morphing into the short-term rental thing. You know, one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation with you because some of our listeners right might right now be saying, you know, why are we hearing about this Vancouver stuff? It's because we find that a lot of what happens in Vancouver starts trickling in into our little city here in Victoria as well because back in April of 2017, the uh, Victoria City Council wanted to pass a um, foreign buyer tax here in Victoria as well, too, thinking that it would put us on the same playing field as Vancouver. And, of course, Toronto implemented that uh, in 2017 as well, too. It it hasn't happened. I think it will come up at some point again. I think it's important for elected officials uh, or people who are curious about this conversation here to look to people like you, Keith, in your podcast, which does have a very balanced conversation on all of these areas here. So that's just a little call out for you. And again, that's the, what is your podcast call again, Keith? It's, it's the Vancouver Unreal Estate Show. The Vancouver Unreal Estate Show. And by the way, I want to know if your numbers uh, spike as a result of being on air here in CFAX in small little Victoria, British Columbia, okay?
1: We'll, we'll make sure we track.
0: Okay. Uh, let's talk about supply-siders and demand-siders. Tell the listeners about what that is.
1: Well, the supply-side argument in in the current issue around real estate is that we need to increase density, massively increase the number of units available in the market, both uh, rental and for purchase. We need to take these single-family houses that represent 70% 70 of the city of Vancouver is single-family housing. Mm -hmm. And if you were to rezone all of that to duplexes immediately, you would double the potential number of homes available for families to live in. So the argument is build, baby, build. Um, go up, go out. Uh, bigger footprints, uh, more people on, on the same amount of land.
0: Okay, now this... Uh, the demand, hold on a sec. So correct? this this would prove itself tricky because you yourself went through the process of construction in East Vancouver. And you've talked about how interesting that was going through the uh, building process in Vancouver, right?
1: Yeah, I you know I asked Ann McMullen, who's with the, um, you know, I the, the represents all the uh, the Urban Development Institute represents all the builders in the Lower Mainland. I asked, and if if the city were to rezone, sorry, if the city were to rezone everything, and everything could be a, a townhouse, you can tear down every house and build three townhouses, just rows and rows of them what would be the biggest challenge the development industry would face? And she says, we don't have the labor. Oh. So even if we rezoned everything, labor isn't there to make it work. Uh, mm. So you can't build that quickly. But it's been a long time since we had a building renaissance in Vancouver, really since the 70s in the West End. That was the last building renaissance yeah. where they just put up, you know, all those concrete towers in the West End happened. And that went a long way to keeping the market flat for a long time. You know, the, the 80s was not the greatest decade in Vancouver real estate. Uh, from a price appreciation standpoint because we increased the density through the 70s
0: so the supply was so that's, there
1: that's how you do it the supply was there yeah um whereas the demand siders josh gordon david lay other people we interviewed they would argue that we need to stop the flow of foreign capital we need to prevent certain people from owning homes um and, you know people from owning multiple homes that's that's their argument but they're not you know, it's interesting you know both of them are professors. They're very much academics who come up with the theories of demand sliders. Mm-hmm. I haven't found a practical, like dirt, dirt on your hands worker who believes that curbing demand is the, is the solution.
0: Okay. Well, you know, it's interesting for us in the real estate industry too, because we're often criticized uh, by saying, well, of course you want supply because it means that you, the real estate business will end up um, uh, being better. And yeah, I, It's
1: just not the case i mean the the logic's not there look i uh, i have a fixed capacity of the number of houses i can sell every year um obviously i get paid a a marginal amount more if the prices are up but if i'm arguing for more supply presumably that means prices go down um and i'm going to make less per deal on average Uh, the the logic just doesn't make sense to the supply that supply side is supportive of the real estate industry the only thing that's part of the real estate industry is the people's desire to buy and sell, not the volume of homes available on the market.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because uh, Kyle Kerr, who's on my team, he's also one of the directors of the Real Estate Board and 2018 president of the Victoria Real Estate Board. He often says, you know, okay, if prices do go down in value, that's not a bad thing for the real estate community because he could sell 10 times as many homes. There be There's so many people that want to be here, right? So yeah, they- know, it doesn't make a difference either way, right?
1: No, uh, supply doesn't affect my business model. The only thing that affects my business model is volume of sales. Yep. And uh, unless there's some sort of catastrophic curb in demand, um, I, I just don't see that changing dramatically.
0: Yeah. And I mean, let's talk about that for, for a brief moment here. Um, how, how could How could the city of Vancouver, or Victoria for that matter, change their demand so that people didn't want to be here?
1: I mean, if you if you take – Tom Davidoff, uh, professor at UBC, he said the best way to do that would be to take the North Shore mountains and use them to fill in the ocean, um, get rid of the mountains, <laughs> okay. uh, fill up the ocean, right. and your demand will disappear.
0: Yeah, uh, and then great billowing right. smokestacks uh, to, to um, make the air uh, unclean and things like that, I guess, right?
1: Yeah, definitely some factories would help. Uh, you know, barring something like that, there's just no way to curb the demand. I mean, you've been many places in the world. I have as well. A lot of your listeners have. Um, it's, it's a really pretty place to live, and people want to live there. So demand will continue to rise.
0: Yeah. People, people want to be in Vancouver. They make the choice. You know, all these people who are doing their uh, commerce or business uh, internationally, they could have the choice to live anywhere in the world, and yet they choose to live in our region, right? Yeah, exactly. Here's a question for you. Is home ownership a right?
1: You know, I, I ask this to a lot of people on my show. I believe housing is a right in a country as advanced as Canada um, and as economically advantaged as Canada, but I don't believe home ownership is a right. I don't think it's my, you know, my mom still rents. I don't think it's her right that she should be able to buy a home. Mm-hmm. I don't think my, you know, my grandma never owned a home. I don't think it, it was ever her right. But certainly, um, uh, you know, proper housing is a right, and, and affordable housing, you know, where where people don't struggle daily to wonder whether or not they can stay in their housing. And there there are solutions available to, to provide that for people, but the government seems unwilling to look at the right solutions.
0: Well, and this is the thing, because is it the government's job to help people become homeowners?
1: No, it's the, gov- it's the government's job to m- ensure that people have... Um, housing available, and I think it's the government's job to, in many ways, incentivize home ownership because it's uh, it's proven to be one of the most effective financial vehicles for Canadians who have proven themselves otherwise largely incapable of saving uh, appropriately for retirement and and future needs. Whereas you know, home people who own homes have some amount of equity left there that they can then you know tap into later in life when costs uh, perhaps become a little more challenging. So home ownership's a good thing. It's good for communities. It's good for the people who own the homes. It's good for neighborhoods. Um, The government has a role of incentivizing that, but at the same time, it has a role of making sure that there's a supply of uh, affordable, appropriate housing for everybody that's not necessarily owned that might just be rented.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the, there is an issue with uh, the supply of rental properties in the Lower Mainland and on the island here as well too. But you know, we think about uh, other metropolitan areas. Like, uh, you look at Paris, you look at London. There is a large population of renters there, and you know, renting is not a shame, right? There's, there's you no
1: know, n- no one in New no one in New York thinks that they have a right to own a condo in New York um, or, a, God forbid, a bungalow. Um, people recognize that renting is a perfectly reasonable way to own a home. Um, I had a guest uh, Margaret Morales from the Sightline Institute in Seattle on the show, and she pointed out why we have such a rental crisis in Victoria and Vancouver, and it's because Pierre Trudeau Sr. actually changed the tax policy. You used to be able to build a, a rental building and then sell it off use the capital to build another building and not have any tax consequences. You and can now roll you do over your capital game. Yeah. And they got rid of that. And so that's when condos started being built, because if you had to pay tax on every sale you made, you might as well diversify your risk. Yeah. Um,
0: and with the, we uh, got a quicker cycle as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, oddly enough, the current rental crisis is the, is the fault of Pierre Trudeau senior. Huh. Uh, and there's, there's ways to fix these issues, but we, we got to move now because it's, it's, you know, it's a catastrophe. It's, it's it's reaching a fever pitch.
0: Okay, well, you know, we're, we're coming to an end here. and I want to make sure you get enough time for this question that I've prepared you on. And that is, Keith, you know, in, in terms of affordability and issues that we have here in the lower mainland and on Vancouver Island here, what is the solution? What's Keith Roy's solution? All
1: right. Okay, so first solution is you change the federal tax code um, to incentivize the construction of rental properties in urban centers. Mm-hmm. It, that's an easy one. Um, It was taken away in the 70s. We bring that back. Uh, Next, we increase density, Uh, particularly in Vancouver, where 70% of the city is single family housing zone. Mm -hmm. Uh, You make it so that a lot of those single family houses can be turned into row homes, half duplexes, um, and increase the square footage on the lot. So instead of people having to build a 2,800 square foot single family house with a small basement suite, you allow them to build two 1,500 square foot half duplexes. Uh, which is what families really need, three bedrooms and 1,500 square feet. Mm -hmm. Then you go to the city of Vancouver in particular and you start reducing the permit wait times. You make it, uh, you know, it it took me almost 12 months to get a permit, permission to build my house. On a million-dollar piece of land, which is cheap land at this point, uh, your servicing costs on that are about three grand a month. There was a $30,000 interest tax I effectively paid on just waiting for my permits to come. Yeah. And you, uh, and, have you have, and you have and you have
0: rental unit as well too. So you didn't have a rental unit in the marketplace for some amount of time.
1: Exactly, that was you know two rental units. So it would have added thirty more months of well ten months times two rental units. Yeah. Uh, it would have added twenty more months of rental units uh, yeah. available in the marketplace. Had permit wait times been reduced, um, density bonuses for building rental properties. I interviewed the mayor of Coquitlam, and what they're doing is. Um, if, if a developer's building a condo tower and they add a third bedroom, um, that third bedroom doesn't go against their square footage. So they're incentivizing. Uh, this is one of the only municipalities where they're using the, you know, the carrot rather than the stick to encourage the building of that third bedroom that everybody so desperately wants. Yeah. You could do the same type of thing with rental properties. You should, we should be incentivizing people through uh, reduced permit wait times and increased density bonuses. To build rental properties, and then finally, I think we just need to we just need to change our perception that ownership is the only way to go, and recognizing that you know tenancy is not necess- security of um, tenancy is not necessarily a bad thing, and change our expectations of the type of product we live in. It's really expensive to have granite counters and ten foot ceilings and stainless appliances and hardwood floors. Arboret counters and eight foot ceilings were. Were kind of the norm just 20 years ago and things were a little more affordable 20 years ago. So maybe we need to be more acceptable of a lower product quality and recognize that it's, it's not yeah. necessarily a bad thing and you, for, if you live in a great community.
0: For affordability, for sure. Oh, Keith, you know, we're out of time, but Holy cow, we could talk about this forever. Um, Keith, again, if people need to reach you, Google dot com. Great.
1: Um, Vancouver Realtors always happy to help and, and chat policy. And people can always listen to the podcast where we take all these issues and, you know, we go over them one by one week after week.
0: And, and then... the podcast name again is?
1: The Vancouver on Real Estate Show, downloadable on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast.
0: <laughs> nice, Keith. Thanks for joining us. And like I said, ah, we could use a lot more time. But to our listeners, thanks very much for listening in. I'm Tony Joe. I'll be here for you this time next week.